Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers, both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past. There were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the Word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. Our speaker today is Pastor Chris Starr. Pastor Chris Starr grew up in Northwest Ohio and went off to Bible College and earned a master's degree. And he has served at Mount Zion Baptist Church since June of 1999. In 2013, he became the senior pastor um, after his uh, father uh, stepped down from being pastor, uh, Dr. Randy Starr. And he's been pastoring there since September of 2013. Pray that his message today, very sobering message, uh, will help you, strengthen you as you listen to it. The sin in our nation that I'm dealing with tonight is ripping homes absolutely apart. It's a sin that brings with it a tremendous amount of guilt. It's a sin that no one has control over once you get involved in it. It's a sin that has long-term effects and destroys trust in a marriage for a long, long time. Today, pornography has our culture by the throat, and good Christian men handcuffed to this habit, and I believe it's because of three things. Number one, it's accessibility, and it's accessible in every arena today. Number two, because of its affordability. Most people can get their hands on it, and they can get their hands on it for free. Number three, because of its anonymity. You can be private about it. You can be involved in this sin and think that no one knows. I've entitled the message, The Curse of Pornography. Webster's defines pornography as the depiction of erotic behavior as in pictures or writing, intended to cause sexual excitement. It involves such materials as books, photographs, television, videos, internet, and the like. And you say, preacher, do we have to deal with this subject? You know, to be honest with you, I wish I didn't have to deal with this subject. I wish that we didn't have to deal with it. But the fact of the matter is the world is talking and throwing it in our face. And therefore, the church has to deal with it because God deals with it from the Scripture. I will do my best to handle the issue as discreetly as possible 
because I understand we have young people in our congregation tonight, but the truth of the matter is they're going to face it. They're going to face the onslaught of it. And so we might as well learn what the Bible says, and we might as well learn the principles involved to avoid this sin that debilitates uh, men and women in our country and in our churches. Every sin, I want you to get this, every sin that we commit as individuals comes from first believing a lie from Satan. We don't commit sin without first being convinced of a lie that Satan gives us. Some in this area have believed a lie that it will meet my needs. And my friend, pornography will never meet your needs. Pornography never meets a need. Pornography fulfills a lust is what it does. But the devil sells the lie that it meets a need. A need. Secondly, there's another lie that people believe as they get involved in this wicked and vile sin. And it's this lie, I am in it and I can't get out of it, so I guess I'm just going to live life with this sin in my life. My friend, that's a lie from the devil. You don't have to live your life with the sin of pornography and pornography being a life-dominating sin in your life. Others have bought this lie, since I have thought it. I have already done it scripturally, so I might as well do it and be involved in it, and that's a lie. There's another lie that's connected with the sin of pornography, and it goes like this. No one sees me do it. Wrong, wrong thought. Lie from the devil. God sees you do it. I have the problem of pornography. Here's another lie. But it doesn't control me. So I can battle it privately on my own lie, you can't battle it on your own, and you need to get help, and you need to get help first from God, and we'll deal with how you can get help in other arenas tonight. There's another lie that goes along with this particular sin of our nation, and it goes like this, what is wrong with a little bit of pornography, even soft pornography? It's not hurting anyone. It certainly is not a big deal, and I say wrong, that's a lie from the devil And people believe lies before they practice sin. A person addicted to pornography is a person, listen to me carefully, who has a pattern in their mind of thinking lies. They think lie after lie, and there are all kinds of lies that the devil gives in this area to have someone continue or start uh, in this particular sin. Pornography, listen to me, is not something that you can pick up and lay down when you want it. It's like a drug. It's like alcohol. It's like smoking. It takes a person and it begins to control them from the inside out. According to WebSense, in 2004, the number of porn sites went from 88,000 in 2000 to nearly 1.6 million in 2009. The Media Research Center examined the most popular YouTube searches for the word porn. And they found that it yields 330,000 results. Just that one website. Those who are happily married are 61% less likely to look at porn. Listen to me tonight, gentlemen. Every married man, listen to me. Your relationship with your wife is so important to you avoiding this sin in your life. A right relationship in marriage will help you and be a great guard in this area if you will build and work at your relationship with your wife. 
those who have ever committed adultery, are 218% more likely to be involved in pornography, according to the statistics. According to Juniper Research, by 2015, mobile adult content and services are expected to reach $2.8 billion, driven primarily through an update, uptake of video chat and subscription-based services. That's on mobile devices, my friend. They're saying by next year, $2.8 billion will be made by what people download on their phones through subscription services and video chats. Mobile adult subscriptions themselves will reach nearly $1 billion dollars. North America and Western Europe will account for more than 70% of the told end-user mobile adult revenues. And I'm saying today that we have a problem in America. We have a sin that is overrunning our nation. And by extension, it is overrunning our families. The average age of first exposure to pornography is 11 years old. And the 12 to, 8, 12 to 17 age group is one of the highest consumers of internet porn in America. Make no mistake about it, we are in the middle of a battle. And this is spiritual warfare. And Satan wants to keep people in slavery and bondage in this area because if he can get you addicted to pornography, if he can get you involved, if he can get his stronghold in your life in this particular area, he knows you can't be used by God fully. He knows that you'll miss out for purposes that God has for your life. And so he's using this area and he's using it It's one of his masterpieces. It's one of his greatest tools today. Pornography is used as a coping mechanism by many, just as alcohol or drugs or smoking or gambling. People run to pornography in times of stress like they run to the other things that I mentioned in times of stress. I want to give you tonight a number of of points regarding this sin. And I believe that I'm speaking to a crowd that has a number of different things in it. Number one, we have parents here. And parents need to protect children. And if parents are going to protect children, they've got to protect themselves. And so I'm going to give some, some tools tonight on protection. Listen to me. A prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. If you walk over this message and you walk out that door and you neglect to hear what this preacher is preaching and the wisdom that I give from the scriptures tonight, you might as well walk right into the devil's workshop because he will take you down in this area, I promise you. The outline that I'm going to use, many of the points I'm taking from Rand Hummel's book, The Dark Side of the Internet. I have a number of resources that I could recommend on this particular topic, but I want to give you a number of points. First of all, if you're taking notes, the plague of pornography. The plague of pornography. There's no Christian that lives beyond the power of pornography. There's no Christian here that's a match that can fight this battle, that can give themselves and put themselves in position and tempt themselves and say, it's no problem for me. Oh, no. That's not the case. The truth of the matter is that every Christian is susceptible to this problem. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you're a godly parent, a pastor, a deacon, a youth leader, a Sunday school teacher. It doesn't matter what role you fulfill in the church. You're not exempt from the power of pornography. You get involved in it. It'll destroy you. It doesn't matter what your role is. It'll destroy you just like it's destroyed many mighty men. The strongest man in the Bible, Samson, what did he have a problem with? Women. The wisest man in the Bible, Solomon, what did he have a problem with? Women. Pornography is an enemy which destroys even the strongest of men, even the most spiritual of people. Porn, Paul Fishbein says, doesn't have a demographic. 
It goes across all demographics. It's not a respecter of persons. It's not targeting. The devil's not just targeting a certain age group or a certain person or a certain gender, my friend. It goes across all demographics. It's attacking all fronts in our culture. Pornography is an enemy which destroys the innocence of children. It's been estimated that approximately one in three girls and one in seven boys will be molested before the age of 18. The relationship of pornography to child sexual abuse or molestation is compelling. 77% of those who molested boys and 87% of those who molested girls said they were regular users of hardcore pornography. Now listen to me. Don't tell me that you're going to control the plague if it gets in your life. They couldn't control it, and they're testifying of it after they've committed vile crimes in our culture. You won't control this plague if it gets in your life. It's tied to other crimes like child kidnappings and murder and mutilation and serial killers and every other type of perversion in our culture is connected to this problem of pornography. Pornography not only destroys the innocence of children, it degrades women. Brethren, God didn't mean for women to be degraded. God gave women a special function. God has a special place in His heart for women. God created the woman to be a helpmeet to the man. God created the woman with value. And pornography degrades women. It sees them as animals and merchandise. And this message is not just good for the man down the street. It's good for everyone in our church here tonight. I want you to look at verse number 18 of Ezekiel chapter 8. I want to give you some background to the book or the chapter of Ezekiel. When you study the book of Ezekiel, you'll find that the glory of the Lord is very important to God. God's very jealous of His glory. God's very jealous that people give the right opinion of Him in their lives. God's very jealous that His name be broadcast and magnified through our lives. And He writes in this particular book, as we read the first 10 verses of Ezekiel chapter 8, He talks about a point where He is to have His glory And as he sent Ezekiel the prophet to that place where he was supposed to have glory, he saw images of jealousy, the Bible says. That means that there was something that was becoming a substitute for God's glory in the land of Israel. And he took Ezekiel's eyes and he says, I want you to see what I am jealous about. And I believe that the principles of Ezekiel chapter 8 relate to what we're dealing with tonight Go back to those first 10 verses. We'll look at verse number 18 in just a second. But look at verse number 6. He said, Further unto me, son of man, seest thou what they do, even the great abominations that the house of Israel committeth here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary? Am I supposed to go far off? Am I supposed to leave the place that I'm to dwell? Am I supposed to just... Go away while they commit these abominations. And whenever you see the word abominations in the scripture, mark it down, write out to the side the word hate. Write out to the side the word detestable. Because anytime God refers to an abomination in the scripture, he's referring to something that he absolutely hates and detests. And he says in this particular passage that he refers to them as great abominations being committed by the house of Israel here. And the Lord's saying, wait a second, I dwell here. I'm not in competition with these great abominations. Should I just leave? God's a very jealous God. May I say by extension tonight, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and so is mine. 
And God's very jealous that He would dwell in our temple. This is His sanctuary in the New Testament. This is where He dwells, in the life of a believer. And I'm asking the question tonight, if you have been involved in anything that could be described as pornography or anything with your eyes or in your mind that could be described as what we're dealing with, may I say tonight, it is an abomination to God. And God is very jealous about your heart and your life and your temple, and He wants glory through it. And He brings Ezekiel to the question, seest thou what they do? He says in verse number 6, But turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. Oh, Ezekiel, you haven't seen anything yet. Ezekiel, I want to take you in. I want you to see these great abominations that they do. Now turn again, because we're going to take you to another place, and you're going to see things upon the wall that are, that are just greater abominations, things that you couldn't even imagine, things that you couldn't even put together, Ezekiel. I want you to see what's taking place in my sanctuary. In verse number 7, And he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things, an abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. Therefore, it was happening on every front. It was on all the walls, the abominations that the children of Israel were in. And I'm not saying that we have it on the walls of our church tonight, but I'm saying it's possible that there could be a believer here tonight and you've got it on the walls of your heart and you're involved in it and you've got all kinds of private things going on in your life and scenes that you're seeing and fantasies that you're creating in your mind and God's saying, I'm jealous for your temple. We're in a warfare, it's a plague. Brethren, if you don't deal with the plague, the plague will deal with you. And God will deal with you about the plague. In verse number 18, he says, Therefore will I also deal in fury. Mine eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. We have a big problem in America in this area. Could it be that we have a big problem in the church in this area? In all the counseling that I've done in 15 years of ministry here, the majority of my counseling is on two fronts, marriage and pornography. Marriage and pornography. Marriage and pornography. We have a problem. Playboy's website now averages about 5 million hits a day, brethren. It's unbelievable, the plague that we're facing Ezekiel writes not about pornographic internet sites or chat rooms or porn magazines or adult bookstores or shops or X-rated movies, but he does write about abominations. Seest thou what they do? You see the sin of the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh is not a sin that is just prevalent in our society. It's an epidemic in our churches. It was an epidemic in Ezekiel's day as well. He's referring to the plague in this particular passage, but... There's also the privacy of pornography, not just the plague, but the privacy of it. Look at verse number 12. He says, Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel, watch the next phrase, do in the dark? Every man in the chambers of his imagery 
For they say, the Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. Notice that their actions were based on this lie that God does not see them. That God is not there. And I want to take you to some scriptures tonight to remind you of the danger of dark, private times in your life. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse number 19, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because why? Their deeds were evil. These men were not doing this out in the open in Ezekiel chapter 8. The Bible says, son of man, or he says, hey, Ezekiel, Look at the ancients of the house of Israel. By the way, these weren't the young men of the day. These were older men that he's referring to in verse number 12. And he says, I want you to look and I want you to see what they do in the dark. In the dark, the Bible says. Every man in the chambers of his imagery. The privacy for some means a chat room. It means being on the computer late at night. When your wife is in bed, that's a bad combination, my friend. That's a real bad combination. It means purchasing online movies or even in contact with someone locally. If you are going to guard against entering this dark sin, you must not believe the lie that it's private. That's a false sense of privacy. Do you realize that nearly every week in our newspaper someone's computer has been traced or someone's phone has been taken and tracked and child pornography has been found? I want you to know that the Bible still says in Numbers 32, 23, be sure your sin will find you out. There is no privacy to sin. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And sir, you may think that you're getting away with this in private, and you may think that you have all your ducks in a row and all your coverages in place, but I want to remind you tonight that God sees everything. Job realized this when he said in Job 34, verse 21, For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. The lie the devil sells a man or a woman that no one sees is the farthest thing from the truth. You can close a door. You can click quick to get out of it. You can hide the magazine. You can get the credit card bill and pay it before your wife sees it. You can change the channel. But my friend, you cannot close the eyes of God. You can do all those things physically to cover your tracks, but you can't close the eyes of God. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. For mine eyes are upon all their ways. They are not hid from my face. Neither is there iniquity from mine eyes, saith Jeremiah in Jeremiah 16, verse number 17. Job said in Job 31, verse 4, Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? There's the plague of pornography tonight. There's the privacy of pornography. There's the power of pornography. In Ezekiel, he tells Ezekiel the prophet three times, Turn ye again. I want you to see it. In verse number 6, he says at the end of the verse, But turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. Now, he's already seen great abominations. And he tells Ezekiel, turn ye again and see greater ones. Look at verse number 13. He said unto me, turn thee yet again. Here's the third time he tells Ezekiel to look. And thou shalt see greater abominations than they do. Verse number 15, he says again, O son of man, hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. 
I want you to get a principle about this particular area. You don't stay satisfied with what you see. What he's teaching Ezekiel is that in this area of greater abominations, things that these people were involved in that were utterly detestable, they were violent, they were gross, they were immoral. You don't stay where you're at. What was once exciting in this area quickly fades away and you have to have more and more and more. It's no longer captivating. That is why this sin is so degrading in a life. Because it doesn't have just an action. It's the same way with alcohol. Alcohol, you can go on and on and get more drunk and get more drunk. And it's the same way in pornography. You get involved in pornography, my friend, and you won't be satisfied with what you start with. You say, preacher, I'm not into magazines. I don't go on real bad websites. Yeah, but what are you starting to accept across the television screen in your, your, your home? Yeah, right. If you want to call it the soft stuff, what are you starting to accept in that arena in your life? Because, my friend, if you're feeding on that across the television screen, mark my words, it won't stop there. According to the Scriptures, it will not stop there. Ezekiel, over and over, had to go back and, and God would tell him, Hey, Ezekiel, you think this is bad. Now look what they've done over here. Now, Ezekiel, go back again as a prophet, and I want you to see how much worse it's gotten. And Ezekiel, go back again, and I want you to see how bad it is because you can't control this. There's a power in pornography. In verse number 17, Then he saith unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? I'm asking you tonight the stuff that you're accepting in your life, young man, older man, ladies. Ladies have a problem in this area too in the things that they read and the sites that they view and the communication that they have with people that they don't even know. I'm asking you tonight as God would ask, do you think it's a light thing? Is it a light thing in the eyes of God? And God obviously had an answer to resound to that question. It's not a light thing to me. I am jealous about this area. He says, it's provoked me to anger. They have filled the land with violence in this particular passage of Scripture. The abominations that they've committed, is it no big deal to you? I'm asking men tonight, is it no big deal? You just live with it now. It doesn't even bother you anymore. Does it rip your heart out to sin against God in this area? The power of pornography is that most never come clean of it. Most are never honest about the extent of their involvement. As far as what type of pornography they've been into or how long they've been involved, even after they're caught. And I would say the majority of men that I have dealt with do not come clean on their own they usually are found out. It's powerful. It's just as addictive as any prescription drug or hardcore drug. I believe it's the number one addiction in the church that we are fighting today. May I appeal to men and fathers in this church tonight. Your boys, listen to me carefully, your boy's mind is at stake. Are you listening to me, fathers? By how you handle this area, your boy's mind is at stake. More importantly than their mind, possibly their marriage down the road. Possibly your grandchildren 
are at stake as to whether or not you put up guards in this area and you prevent yourself from getting involved or you overcome it if you're involved in it and get it out of your life. You can't be too safe in this area. You can't have too many safeguards. Every young man I've dealt with on this topic who has had a problem is a young man that lived in a web of deceit and making sure to cover his sin. If you get involved in pornography, you will have a life of deceit behind the scenes. It will drag you into other sins. It's not a sin that remains to itself. It's like Ebola. It spreads. It causes you to be involved in other sins. Most parents whose children get involved in pornography are completely naive about how easy it is to get involved. Kids today can get it through their video game boxes. Are you listening to me, parents? There's no way I would give my child a phone with the internet on it. There's just no way I'd do that. I would open my kid up to the opportunity to get involved in something that could destroy his life. I'd guard. There's no way a child would have access to the internet via a tablet or iPad without me hawking them. Why? Because I care for the lives of my kids. I care for their minds. I care for their marriages down the road. I care for their children someday. Dear God, give us some parents that will put some guards up. You say, preacher, you're really, really fired up about this. I am fired up about this because I deal with it. And I get weary of dealing with it. And so it's better to preach about it. It's better to get riled up and sound a very clear warning of sound tonight. To try to help some. To guard against it. There's the protection against pornography. And by the way, the video games that have violence in them, most of those video games have porn, at least soft porn, in them. You better guard your home in that area. The protection against pornography, there's a principle in life that you need to get a hold of, and that is this. It is always easier in life to prevent a skid than to try to correct one. When driving on ice, it is always easier to go slower. Young men with licenses, listen to me. Young ladies with licenses, listen to me. It's easier to go slower than it is to get in the middle of a skid and try to correct it. And the same is true in this area. Tonight, I want to help fathers and mothers and sons and daughters to avoid this spiritual catastrophe. Number one, I want to give you some steps against, for protection in this. Number one, take heed lest you fall. Say, preacher, we don't have any problem with this. Watch out. Take heed, lest ye fall. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. In Matthew 26, verse 41, Watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. My friend, just because you're not involved in it today doesn't mean you won't be tempted tonight or tomorrow. Your flesh and my flesh is weak, the Bible says. And so as a result of that, the Bible says we are to watch, the Scripture says, and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. We're just good friends, said Brian. He began by telling himself this while he was alone. alone. He was thinking about the woman, Jeannie, that he worked with. He liked her for her productivity in the office setting. Nine months later, they were in an affair. Why? Why? They were both churchgoers. Nine months before that, they were sitting in church like you're sitting in church, probably taking notes, maybe even going to an altar about something God dealt with them about. 
Nine months ago, everything seemed fine. Impossible. It can't happen to me, they must have thought. It couldn't be. But they didn't build up any hedges around themselves. They refused to put guards in their lives. It started innocently. They began to depend upon each other emotionally. They began to confide in one another and share ambitions and secrets and hurts. They began to justify their lunches together in private communication through email or social media. They exchanged physical touches together saying that they see each other like a brother or sister. They became special to each other. They were enamored with each other and they gave themselves to one another. And they fell. Take heed lest ye fall. Put some hedges up. I want to give you some principles to protect. First of all, take heed lest ye fall. Secondly, make a covenant with your eyes before God. Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Job was a wise man. Job realized the problem with the eyes. And Job made a covenant with his eyes. Job said in the midst of defending himself against three friends who didn't believe his innocence, he said, wait a second, I want you to know I have made a covenant with mine eyes. That is this, when he saw something that was wrong and he was tempted, he had a contract with his eyes that caused him to immediately look away and not to look back. God, give us some young men and men that would commit themselves to making a covenant with their eyes. The psalmist was wise in Psalm 101, verse number 3, when he said this, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. The psalmist made a decision, made a commitment. Gentlemen, I'm calling on every, every gentleman in this church. I am challenging you. I am coming to you face to face tonight, and I'm asking you this question. Are you so convinced about the power and the plague and the privacy of pornography that tonight you would be willing to make a fresh commitment to God about your eyes? Are you willing to say, God, I am going to make a covenant with my eyes that I am not going to allow my eyes to wander? When I see something that is wrong, I am going to turn my eyes the other way and I'm not going to look back. I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes. And gentlemen, if you don't have the courage to do that, and you don't want to obey that principle in Scripture, you might as well just go to the devil and say, take over. You don't want to hedge? You don't want to make a commitment to God? The devil's going to take you over, my friend. We need to make a commitment with our eyes. Young ladies, ladies, may I say that you can really help things in this area? You can really help things by the way that you appear. You can either be a help to a man or you can be a hindrance to a man. You can be a stumbling block to a man. God, give us some young ladies who are committed to appearing in a modest fashion, in a modest way, with a modest heart, in conservative dress that says lots loose and long are not old-fashioned. They're just right and biblical and seek to be covered. It's still all right, and it's in the end with God to be holy and pleasing to God in this area, ladies. And you can really help us. Our church ought to be a haven where men can come and men don't have to worry about this area. They don't have to be worried about being tempted by what they might see at a church function, at a church service, at a church activity. Because there are a whole bunch of ladies here that are very, very interested in being right before God. 
and being holy and being modest so that you don't become a stumbling block or a hindrance to a man's walk. May I, ha- may I just plead with you ladies tonight in our church. We need to upgrade in this area. We need to become better in this area in our church. It's the end thing with God. I want you to know that. Make a covenant. Great men of God like Job and David and Daniel knew the importance of purposing in their heart not to defile themselves. Have a fear of God, number three. Have a fear of God. Make a covenant with your eyes. Take heed lest ye fall, but have a fear of God. Joseph was in a very precarious position, a very difficult circumstance in life. He was in the midst of strong temptation. And in the midst of strong temptation with Potiphar's wife, he said this in verse number 9 of Genesis chapter 39. How can I do this great wickedness? He saw the wickedness as great. That's what a fear of God is. It sees wickedness as great. And then he said this, How, how can then I do this great wickedness and sin against God? How can I do that? And Joseph said, I can't do that. And Joseph got out of Dodge. And Joseph fled the scene. Leads us to the fourth principle, flee youthful lust. Fleeing has the idea of being a fugitive. That is that you run so fast and so far away that you cannot be found. And when we come against temptation in our lives in this area, we need to do what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But, and don't make provision for the flesh to fulfill it in the lust thereof. Making provision means I hang around. Making provision means I think I can handle this. Making provision means I don't think this is a big deal. But to not make provision means to run, means to keep yourself out of situations where you might be tempted. I don't understand men who would put themselves in the place of being around women in a setting where ladies are dressing in undergarments at the beach and think that I can live with this. I'm just going to put myself in this situation and I'm going to fight so that I'm not tempted. I'm not going to let it affect me. Now, wait a second, brethren. If you're guarded in this area, and if you really understand the power of what we're dealing with, then you will flee youthful lust. You'll not put yourself in situations where you will be tempted or where the temptation will increase and strengthen in your life. Reason with me tonight, brethren. How do you keep a covenant with your eyes and put your eyes in the midst of of what the Bible defines as nakedness? I don't understand that. When we go on vacation, we pray for empty pools. You can ask my children. And if the Lord gives us empty pools, great. We get to swim together and have a wonderful time, and we dress in a modest fashion that I believe glorifies the Lord. And, brethren, God can provide those opportunities for you as well. Guard yourself. It's important. Saturate yourself in Scripture. If you're going to protect yourself in this area, saturate yourself in Scripture. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Fill your mind with Scripture. A mind engaged in the Word will not easily wander and it will keep temptations at bay. That's why the psalmist wrote, Hide God's Word in your heart and it will keep you from sinning against God. There's a wonderful verse that you ought to write down somewhere. Mark it. You ought to put it maybe in the front of your Bible. It's in Psalm 19, verse number 14. It says this, Let the words of my mouth... That's what I'm saying. 
And let the meditations of my heart, that's what I'm thinking. That's what's going on internally that nobody sees. Let them be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Saturate yourself in the Scripture. Let me give you another protection. Have courage to build hedges. Have courage to build hedges. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh a hedge, a serpent shall bite him. And if you don't have any hedges, then the serpent has full access to your life. I'm going to give you some hedges in your life. Number one, let your wife have access to everything. Gentlemen, listen to me carefully. You want protection in your life, let your wife have access to everything. My wife gets a print off of all the websites. She can check every website that I've ever been on. Why, preacher? Because I want protection. I want a hedge. Be home with your family. Do things together with your family. Don't get out where you're doing things separate of all the time and away from one another and private. That's dangerous. One of the things that God's given in a family is protection for one another. And the way that that happens is we're together. We're together. Be together. Don't get on the Internet without a purpose. Don't just get on the Internet, oh, I just want to see what's going on. No, 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 no. If you're going to the Internet and you're using the Internet, then you use it for a specific purpose. You go there with a specific purpose. Don't get on the Internet in a day without having your devotions first. Just make a commitment. We have put some things as far as technology in our home, some rules. One of the rules is we don't get on technology without having devotions first. We spend time with God before we spend time with anybody else. And that will help you. That will help you in a time of temptation when you've already spent time with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, first. Refuse to communicate with people online you do not know. If you don't, need, if you don't know them, you don't need to know them. Not that way. You get to know a person in person. You talk to them. You meet them. You see them eyeball to eyeball. We don't need to be getting to know people online that we've never seen. We don't know even if their identity is correct. Be careful about all that. Avoid late night TV by yourself. Just stay away from it. You're protecting yourself. Minimize your time alone. Gentlemen, if you, tra- if you have to travel alone, which I don't recommend... But if you have to travel alone, have accountability in place. Be in constant communication with your wife, with other men that will help you when you travel. Put filters in place. We have it set up in our staff that if somebody's on a website that they should not be on, a phone call goes to somebody else right away. Why, preacher? Because my flesh is weak. His flesh is weak. Pastor Tom's flesh is weak. And we want to protect. And you need protection too. And you need filters in place. If you're a father and you don't have a filter on a computer and your kids are all over it, you're foolish. You're just plain dumb. And you're going to get burned. There are all kinds of filters that you can use. Put a seatbelt on your internet usage. Have a friend that holds you accountable. Have a friend that holds you accountable. Two are better than one. If they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone... When he falleth, woe to the person in this area that falleth and doesn't have an accountability partner. Woe to that man, the scripture says, for he hath not another to help him up. Mortify your members and take the way of escape. These are just some practical things that if you're going to protect yourself, 
if you're going to protect your home, we have to be proactive in this area, not reactive, saying, oh, no, preacher, help us. Help us. Look what's happened. Look how it's a mess in my home. Listen, I'm trying to prevent a mess in your home tonight. I'm trying to help you. The power over pornography as I close. Some who are involved in this sin bear a load of guilt that think their lives are wasted. Are you listening to me? And what they have been involved in is unforgivable. And I want to close by offering you help and hope tonight. That's not the case. God has a plan for you to get help and to overcome this sin in your life. First of all, it starts with confession. Duncan Campbell said this, Do not expect God to cover what you are not willing to uncover. God's not going to look over this sin in your life if you continue to cover it. But if you will uncover it through confession, and you will take the privacy away from it, and you will come to God and you will say, God, you already know everything. But God, I'm coming to you and I'm agreeing with you about it in confession. I am uncovering it to you. God gives mercy. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Contrast that verse with Ezekiel 8, verse number 18. Therefore will I also deal in fury. Mine eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity. What's the difference? Confession. Confession. A person humbling themselves and saying, you know what? It's not worth it living the life with the guilt that I'm bearing on this front. I've got to get help. And so confession. The psalmist said, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Confession is to bring to light the unknown, the unconscious darkness, the underdeveloped creativity of our deeper levels, Kunkel said. Have you confessed the deeper levels in your life? This is a deeper level that we're dealing with. If you haven't confessed it, you need to confess it tonight. Here's what the psalmist said before he confessed. He said, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Before I confessed, he said there was a roaring that was going on in the innermost being and it was going on all day long. If there is somebody that's involved in some of the stuff that I have talked about tonight, I guarantee you there better be, if you're a Christian, there better be a roaring that's going on. And it goes on all day long and it's going to go on till you confess. The psalmist finally said, forget that. I'm not living with that anymore. I'm going to confess. Get help number two. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. It is wise to get help in this area. Very few men get victory in the area of pornography without getting help from someone else. And brethren, the church is where you get help. The church is where you get help. You come to me. We are dealing with men. We are helping men through this. We have seen men get victory over this. And you can get victory as well. But you need to get help. Amputate all access Christ's words in Matthew 5 are very radical. They're ruthless. It's decisive and determined to cut off all access in this area if you have fallen in this area. He talks about in verse number 28, looking on a woman to lust after her, that person committeth adultery already in his heart. And the very next verse says this, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable 
for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Listen, if you have problems or your child has problems on the internet, take the stupid computer and pitch it. Get rid of it. You don't have to have a computer to live life. If the phone is the problem, then have your wife cut the internet tie on the phone. You cut it. If you want victory, you amputate. That's what you do. Those were the words of Christ. Christ said, get radical with it. Deal with it. Get victory over it. But if you're going to get victory, you've got to cut it. You've got to cut it all the way. Go and sin no more. John chapter 8. Jesus dealt with the woman at the well. She had been with five husbands. She had committed adultery repeatedly. And he forgave her because no sin is too great for God to forgive. And he said, go and sin no more. Have victory. Go help somebody else. Go tell somebody about the power of God in your life. As I close the message tonight, I believe that for some, this message, as in the game of a a battleship game, you may be calling out, I'm hit. I'm hit. That's okay. That's good. If that's where you're at tonight and God's hitting you, that's a good thing. That's the mercy of God. If you're entrapped in pornography, you need to come out of the dark tonight. You need to come out of darkness. Some tonight are not involved in pornography, but God has put some steps of preventative maintenance in place for you to protect yourself and for you to protect your children. You may be a woman here tonight and you have knowledge that your husband is into something. I want to make something very clear to you tonight. Your commitment, are you listening to me? Your commitment to your marriage means that you need to confront your husband lovingly and ask him if he will go and get help from the pastor. And if he doesn't, because you care about him and you care about your marriage, you will go and get help for him. Say, preacher, I don't know if I can do that. Listen, if you don't, your marriage is going down, I'm telling you. You need to get help. This cannot continue to go on in your marriage. You need to lovingly confront your husband. You need to say, honey, we need to get help. You need to get help in this area. I want our marriage to be right. But this is going to destroy our marriage. Will you go and get help from the pastor? Will you go and look to another man that can help you spiritually? And if you can't, then I'm going to. Because our marriage is at stake. You care about your marriage? Then you need to get out of this, sir, ma'am. I'm calling on all old men and young men alike tonight to make a fresh covenant with your eyes before God. God, when mine eyes are tempted to stray, God, will you remind me by your spirit of the covenant that I'm making tonight with my eyes. If you are a mother, it might be just worth your time to come to an altar and pray a hedge about your children in this area. It might just be worth your time. If you are a person and you're caught in the web of pornography, it may have been for the past couple of months, it could have been that you've been enslaved for years, I am opening up the opportunity for you to get help. I want to give you some steps as I close the service tonight. Number one, confess it. Number two, involve your pastor. No man conquers the sin on his own. Number three, amputate all access. Whatever it came through, wherever you have access to it, cut it 
altogether. Number four, write out the lies that you have believed and review this sermon to combat those lies with truth because your thinking has to change and begin filling your heart with the meditations of God's word. Brethren, there's a curse that comes along with this sin. The Bible teaches us in the New Testament, those having eyes full of adultery, those that have an eye problem, and that very same verse, it speaks of their children being cursed. Now, if that's the case, there's a lot at stake in our lives tonight. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. Second Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the Word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the Word and hearing the Word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to the Baptist Pulpit.